as the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong, because y'all are idiots. Oh, no. I'm new to the panda timeline here, so I that one's going to have to sit with me. I'm going to have to pray on that one. I know it's available, but why? There's so many other things available. First of all, it's artisanal, okay? I don't want to hear it. As the expert of the podcast and the boss. One of your hosts spent nine hours this week watching the Godfather series to atone for his <laughs> sins. What are you doing? Handsome Drew did as well. Are you Drew with the U? I'm Drew with the U. Why would oh, he be Drew? Problem. Obviously, oh, he's God. Drew with the U. Okay, my handsome Drew. <laughs> I don't spell my name with a U. What are you talking about? <sighs> What's wrong with you? Oh, I was not listening. <laughs> that is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening. Why? I don't know why you have to. I didn't trample on your panda. This is not the podcast you deserve. A group of archaeologists become trapped in the past when they go there to retrieve a friend. The group must survive in 14th century France before they can escape back to the 21st century. Does that sound like a movie you want to watch? Probably not. That's a terrible IMDb review. But that's the plot line for Timeline. Welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. My name is Kyle. I'm here with Drew Crawford. And we are talking about 2003's greatest movie, Timeline, directed by Richard Donner. Now, in 2003, that would have put us around 11 years old. And I saw this movie in theaters, and I cried because I loved it so much at the end. I was sad <laughs> it was over. And I think I watched this movie somewhere between 100 and 350 times uh, in between being 11 years old and being 18 years old, and uh, did not think about the movie again at all for, for 10 years. And now... Tiffany brought up on her podcast a couple of weeks ago that we should rewatch Timeline. And boy, did we. And seeing this with kind of fresh eyes, man, uh, it, it just it hits different. So if you haven't seen Timeline, this might be fun just to make fun of what 11-year-old Kyle was thinking about and how he viewed movies. Uh, and also, you should go see it. It's on Hulu. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good use of your two hours. What does what is 29-year-old Drew Crawford know about Richard Donner, the director of timeline anything almost nothing okay i think you probably should at first when i saw donner i was like jeffrey jeffrey Dahmer. And i was like no no wait that's a totally oh, no. different thing yeah, yeah yeah so like i know nothing about richard donner oh okay so richard donner directed superman uh the original superman 1978 oh, superman yeah uh, i believe he did all of the lethal weapons or at least a couple of the lethal weapons um oh. i think he did goonies too actually uh, uh, but he's <laughs> and I think he did like half of Superman 2 and then he got fired like halfway through directing Superman 2 uh, Tales from the Crypt um, like Scrooged uh, like this dude has done a lot of different things and you know uh, so in no way is Timeline going to be his like pinnacle like you the best thing he's ever directed do you think he did Timeline because he's mad that he got fired from another time travel movie in Superman 2 <laughs> and is he, there time he feels... travel in Superman 2 he like flies around the earth so much he reverses time. That's the original Superman. Does he do it in Superman two as well? Oh, I thought it was two. He no, does, he does in the he first flies one backwards to get the dam put back into save Lois Lane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, okay. So okay. He knows what he's talking about with time travel. The guy has been very <laughs> well versed in how to travel through time, and uh, there are no plot holes. <laughs> like. Uh, I don't think he's won an Academy Award, 
but uh, I'm pretty sure he's been nominated for some. Man, maybe not. No, it doesn't look like any Academy. Well, anyways, like he's directed a lot of movies. Like he's done a lot. And but like if you asked 11 year old Kyle, like what is the greatest thing Richard Donner's ever done? I'd be like timeline. This movie, it's incredible. Uh, this cast is also incredible. It stars Paul Walker. Um, I think this is right before Fast and Furious. Um, it kicks off. It might be actually right after the first one, but he's I think still it's not right like after a huge the first star. one. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I think this is like right before he becomes like a big mega like A list star. Uh, Gerard Butler, pre three hundred fame, uh, is in this movie and he is great. Uh, Billy Connolly plays Paul Walker's dad. You know, I thought the moment I saw Billy Connolly, what's that? And I, I didn't even see him. I heard his voice and I said, "Oh, it's the guy from Boondock Saints." Oh, okay. Well, wow. so that's funny because I watched this with my wife and she was like, that's the guy from Pocahontas. And you were like, that's the guy from Boondock Saints, which I think is, is a pretty good indication. Of is the right answer. Yeah. What your taste in movies are and why you would recognize Billy Connolly. Um, but the guy who plays Professor Lupin or Lupus or whatever from Harry yep. Potter, uh, yep. he is the quasi bad guy in this movie. Neil McDonough, who like, I never know his name. But every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, that guy uh, who was in Minority Report and I'm sure a bunch of others. Listen, you can't trust Neil McDonough. If you yeah, see him, he's always Neil a bad McDonough, guy. You, and even if he's not like the bad guy, like per se, he will flake out on you. Yeah. He will betray you. No, mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. You cannot trust Neil McDonough. And then Matt Craven, who's like another guy that like, I don't, I would, I would not know his name. But every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, this guy. And, uh, and then Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen always plays like the most perfectly hateable person. Yeah, that's a good point. Like without trying, like there are some people that can like really like grind your gears and you're just like, Oh, I hate that guy. It's like really satisfying when they die. This guy is just always kind of a douche. And you're like, Oh, this guy again, like God. And he's so good at playing the like annoying in your face, dude. Have you seen good omens? Uh, no, but I have listened to the book and I really enjoyed it. I okay. listened to the book because I wanted to watch the show. I love Neil Gaiman. Yeah. And then it's uh, Michael Sheen and uh, oh, the guy who's Doctor Who. Can't think yep. of his name. Yeah, he is. The, I'm with you. The devil guy. Uh, and that's a really great show. That's a fun show. Um, and then but Michael Sheen's got a, a really fun part, uh, which is funny because he's just so old now and you see him being like young and handsome and stuff. Uh Martin Kazakis, and I'm sure that's mm-hmm. not how you say his name, but he just like that dude is the bad guy in like so many movies. Ev- and as soon everything. as he came up on screen, I was like, it's that bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy who speaks French in The Matrix Two and Three, I think, and he's he's uh, talking to Neo in like the restaurant. He is like the the leader of the French army. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. No. The only thing I recognized him from was The Matrix Two or Three. Can't remember which one. He's, he's talking to the, the girl in French or whatever. Yeah. And he talks I, he to him looks, about he, cause and effect. Or, yeah, yeah, he looks so different. And that yeah, that's the yeah. second one. But he looks so different just without his like slicked back hair. Uh, yeah. Also, he, like they're all wearing helmets and chainmail in this movie. So like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't pick you up immediately. Right, right. Uh, but I think like looking back at 2011, Kyle was like, it doesn't get better than this. This is the greatest cast of all time. This is the greatest story of all time. Like best movie ever done deal. 
And then you see this movie as a 29 year old and you go, man, most of these people went on to do much better stuff. Uh, and, uh, and this was a nice little kind of stepping stone for them, uh, which, you know, that's tough to see, but uh, still really enjoyed. Uh, so when we talked about the, the plot just a little bit, but to, to go, to go back further, there's a group of archaeologists that are, that are at the site in France. And, and I don't know what archaeologists, I don't know an archaeologist in real life. I've seen Indiana Jones, and I'm pretty sure it's like nothing like that. Um, but I'm also pretty sure it's nothing like depicted in timeline because they're all like, I, I don't know. They've got like kids there all the time. They're like showing them, you know, like model, model castles from 1637 France or whatever. And uh, it's just, it's weird. Uh, I, I just can't imagine that that's what archaeologists do. And then like Gerard Butler is just like shooting arrows and like playing with swords and stuff. And like, shouldn't you be like digging at rocks or like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just, uh, is that what you think of when you think of archaeologists? No, that looks like a mix between uh, like a Jurassic park dig and like a medieval fair. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's fair. People who are like, Oh yes, we're here to slay the dragon. And also, Play with rocks. Uh, uh, like uh, you're talking about Gerard Butler using the bow and arrow and stuff. I like to believe that that is a true artifact that he found and was like, well, I got to play with this. Uh, <laughs> like instead of preserving it or whatever, he's like, now nah, I'm going to go shoot some arrows. Uh, need some target practice. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It. I think they try to explain some of it away. I, first of all, I don't think very many archaeologists archaeological digs are that big or have that many people they had like okay 60 volunteers just like hanging around um i think it's i think it's normally like one sad professor and three grad students who are just trying to get a degree also (laughs) i I have a friend who actually is an archaeologist uh through the university of texas and basically he spends all his life in a library and then goes out to like peru for like two weeks a year and then he like huh. goes back to the library. So that it's more research. Terrible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they all want to be in the field, but like you have to find someone to pay for you to be in the field. And like, no one does that. So they try to explain some of that away with the gazillionaire from yeah. ITC. Who's just like, Oh yeah, I'm funding yeah. your dig. And I have all yeah. these great clues. And like, uh, so in, in this movie, Paul Walker's dad is like the lead archeologist. He's like the boss. And Gerard Butler's Paul Walker's friend. And then there's a girl whose name I don't know Paul Walker's interested in, but she's like, your dad's the boss. I'm not going to be with you. And like, they're, they're just setting up a whole lot. And, and even 29 year old Kyle watching this was just like, I'm not phased by any of this. I think this is great. I think this is exactly how it would happen. And then uh, when Gerard Butler is like trying to get Paul Walker interested into the history, he's like, no, come check out, check out this thing I just found. And he shows him like a crypt. And it's a, it's a, it's a crypt of a knight with one ear who's holding the hand of his loved one. And he's like, isn't this beautiful? It's amazing. And like 11 year old Kyle was like, yeah, it is amazing. I really hope we find out the backstory to this. And 29 year old Kyle's like, how did I not see this coming? <laughs> when, how did I not know how this movie was going to end immediately on this scene? So like, I don't know. Did, did you, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? How like the whole first 30 minutes, it's just like laying it out to you so thick. Like, here's how this movie's going to end. And I uh-huh. do not see it coming at all. 
Yeah, you literally saw everybody's story arc happen in the first six minutes. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes. Kate's Kate's in a tunnel and she's like, nobody believes that this tunnel's here, but I think it's here. And you're like, I wonder if that's gonna come up later. And then she's like, Who uh, would break this beautiful painting? Who would destroy yeah. this work of art? Like, oh, yeah. Do it. Uh and then Gerard Butler's like, look at this night and how in love they are, and it's so special and different. Uh, you know, we have to go make our own history. Yeah. Uh, and then and like but, he says it like that's a profound thing. It's like it's not. Uh, Gerard well, it, talks about how he hates the future. Yeah. He's like, like Paul Walker's like, oh, the fu- like history sucks, man. Like history is like my parents getting divorced. The future's where it's at. And Gerard Butler's like, what does the future hold for you? And it's like, that's literally the dumbest thing anybody's ever said. <laughs> the future is the only thing that's like, oh, who knows? What could be next? Like, it's the only hopeful thing. Uh and he's like, the future just holds more of those contraptions, like that motorcycle you rode in on. It's like, really? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Or I don't, I don't know, maybe the cure for cancer. Oh. <laughs> like, is that it? Is it just motorcycles? Or the what? future sucks. Uh, <laughs> also, this movie definitely, it did come out after Fast and Furious, and they were really okay. banking on that because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so. Paul Walker lives Fast and Furious in this movie. He's like literally sprinting everywhere to the point that he runs into everybody. Like yeah. he can't stop in front of a human. He has to like run into them with his hands and his body. Yeah. He's like, oh, sorry. Okay. Hey, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> One of my favorite things about watching this movie as an adult now is in that scene when Paul Walker and Gerard Butler are talking about like history versus future. And Gerard Butler's trying to be like, no, like, you know, history is cool. And, and instead of like, instead of adding a scene where Gerard Butler's like, got to say like, I make my own history or, or multiple scenes where like Gerard Butler says that to Paul Walker, he literally just like, he just says, what do I say all the time? And Paul Walker's like, you make your own history. Like, Oh, okay, great. Done. Like that's just like his say his motto. And he never says it. He gets Paul Walker to say it for him. And like, that's going to come up again. And we now, Oh, because it's his motto. Like they told you it's his motto. They didn't show it to you. They, They showed it to you by Paul Walker being like, Oh, your motto. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you Never say that him. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Take my word for it, everybody. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, but so this group of archaeologists, long story short, go to the ITC company that they figure out has made a, a, a wormhole timeline thing where they use a wormhole and they go back to 14th century France and people die along the way and they got to get back home. Um, filled with like, like how many times do they get double-crossed in this movie? Or like lied to in this movie. You know, like the company originally is lying to them about why they're at the archaeological site. And then they lie to them about like how dangerous it is to go there. And then the guy lies to them about like why he left his father. And then and then the dude steals their marker things, their way to get home and stabs the guy who's in charge and is like, good luck, you're here now. It's just like everybody who's like kind of in charge of them or like helping them along the way is just like, nah, I'm going to kill you instead. Like just a really bad deal. Yeah. Yeah. They get lied to a lot. And I think a big part of that is because nobody asks any questions ever. And like at any point, they are really, really trusting of like everything everyone tells them. And they have really intense emotions to it as well. A lot of overacting coming out of this movie, but like, 
I remember the the scene where they're trying to convince them like, hey, you need to go back in time to get your dad. Yeah. And the French guy is not sure if he's going to do it. And Gerard Butler's like, you got to do it. Like, we need you. And then the physicist is like, don't do it. They're going to break you down into electrodes and then like or electrons and send you like fax you through time and like so yeah. dangerous. And Paul Walker's like, do what's right for you. And everyone's like in his face. And it's like, hey, can you guys just like chill out for nine seconds? Because you found out time travel existed literally 180 seconds ago and you're all fine with it. No yeah. one was like, no, nah, that's not real. They were all like, Oh yeah, it's like a fax machine. We get it. It's like, well, that's the only analogy that you're going to hear and be like, it totally works. No follow-up questions. <laughs> well, in that same scene, the when like when some of them are like questioning like whether or not they should do it, Paul Walker's like, I don't understand. I have questions. And then the Neil McDonough character just goes, Look, I know you have a lot of questions, but your dad is out there. And that is the line that they go back to like four or five other times this movie. When like any rational person would be like, hang on, what did we just do? Or why is this the plan? What are we doing? They're just like, no, we got to go get his dad. And like, oh yeah, that's right. Let's follow the guy blindly into the, yeah. into the whatever, <laughs> into the, into the dark abyss of the future. And it'll work out. Um, I think it's just a testament I, to how much they all love Billy Connolly. I mean, like he's, yeah. they're all willing to do a lot for him uh, <laughs> with no second thoughts. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. And then I think uh, we get 11-year-old Kyle. This is kind of weird, but 11-year-old Kyle probably was didn't think twice about the gratuitous shirtless Gerard Butler scene uh, in this movie. It was like, yeah, it happened. 29-year-old Kyle noticed Gerard Butler take his shirt off and go, huh, you don't look like 300, Gerard Butler. He's, he's still probably the most jacked archaeologist there's ever been, sure. but uh, was not ripped like uh, Leonidas. And uh, I don't know what that says about me that I noticed that as an adult and probably didn't cross my mind at all when I was 11. But I uh, noticed it too, only because he took his shirt off and then got really intensely close to somebody. And it's like, nothing you had to say in that moment was going to be so important. You couldn't take one second to put your shirt on and then go talk to him. Uh, It would have been fine. I, I think one thing this movie does do a good job on is it shows, it shows these regular people. They're not Marines. And they have to kill people. And you see the toll that that takes on Gerard Butler kills that first guy in, in 14th century France. He like kind of freaks out. He's like, what did I just do? And I thought that was kind of cool as an adult being like, yeah, like I've never killed anyone. And I imagine that like, it's probably not as easy as it seems to be in Austin Powers where there's a yeah. judo chop to the neck and they're just dead, you know? And then when Kate goes on and she has to stab that guy with an arrow and she kind of like freaks out, her hands are shaking. I think that's a that's a nice little touch of realism that 29-year-old Kyle noticed that 11-year-old Kyle was probably like, just kill more people, do it cooler. Uh, but uh, there's there's that. Um, and then can we talk real quick about Francois? And Please. why was Francois in this movie? <laughs> he is a French-born speaker. You know this because his name is Francois. And they have to bring him because they need an interpreter. For, for when they're in France. But here's the thing. While they're there, he is not used to interpret one time and he gets killed. He, he, the only thing he interprets is when Michael Sheen makes him say, I am a spy, and then, and then stabs him. 
he he does interpret when the little boy when they first arrive and the little boy is running through the woods going hide oh. hide and he's like he says hide and <laughs> yeah. the, and five of them hide and then two of them go we're gonna stand here in this street and then die which is also funny because uh this has a lot of like those tropes that i heard them i go oh i know exactly what's about to happen uh when they're getting into the yeah. time machine for the first time and the marine goes don't worry, we're here to protect you. I was like, well, you're going to die immediately. Uh, I, I said yeah. it out loud. And I was like, well, you're going <laughs> to die. And sure enough, he didn't last another three minutes. I was like, oh, sweet. You called it. Uh, also, when they said there are no futuristic things in the past, like you can't take anything from the future with you, especially not weapons. I was like, bet someone does that. Yeah. And uh, show enough. And... and I mean, this movie is really good about putting up billboards for like, don't worry, we're going to feed you baby birds. Uh, and then not only does he bring a grenade into the past, he he rips the pin off the grenade oh my and God. then presses the button to bring himself home so that he blows up the time machine. He blows listen, up the portal. It's like, listen, what a bad deal. <laughs> his order of operations is insane. Yes. Uh, if you know you're getting attacked and you know that one, you've already been shot by an arrow. Uh, which, first of all, he takes three arrows like a champ, and everybody yeah. else in this movie takes one arrow and is immediately dead. And I've never been shot with an arrow. I never want to get shot with an arrow. But I have no idea what my time frame for dying from arrow wound is. Because some people, it takes multiple, and it's years, and it's agonizing. And some people, it's a quick stabby stab, and you're like, oh, well, he's dead forever now. With no noise. No cry out in pain. Just instant death and you're like what are we doing here um yeah but yeah so he gets you get shot with an arrow knowing that you have a time machine on your neck that will take you back to the future and instead you're like i should use my grenade then you pull out your grenade you get shot a second time and you're like well now i should go back to the future like what happened between the first and second arrow that his priorities changed (laughs) i think so two things on that number one He's going to bring a weapon back to the 14th century. Cool. Understand. He's next Marine. He's probably, yeah, I'm not about to die in 14th century. I'm not about to die by arrow or, you know, the black plague. I'm bringing, I'm going to bring a weapon with me. Why would you choose a grenade? Like these people literally have bow and arrow and sword and trebuchets. I'm bringing an AR-15. I'm bringing a handgun. Literally anything would be fine, except a grenade. Like what are you going to accomplish with a grid, I mean, you could accomplish a whole lot. It's overkill, probably. Sure. Like, like a dude, an archer on a horse is riding at him. And he's like, oh, this is a perfect time for the grenade. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly surprised he didn't bring an RPG. It just didn't fit in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, and then secondly, the first two people on this mission that die are the two ex-Marines. Like the mm-hmm. only two people who are trained killers. Mm-hmm. Out of this group of, of misfit uh, toys, they're going to save Paul Walker's dad. The only two, the first two people that are the Marines who, when everybody said hide, they just start running in a straight line down the path that the, the Englishmen are coming on. One of them doesn't uh, even run. Is, one of them walks towards the sound because he's track. like, oh, I want to see what's up. And he's the first one to get a slash in the chest. It's like, what do you think was going to happen, guy? You're the only one who's been here a couple times. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, these guys are probably friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was maybe 
30 minutes into the movie that my wife looked at me and goes, Gerard Butler is going to be the one year night and that girl is going to be the girl in the, in the tomb with him. And I was like, wow, amazing. Because that plot twist, 11-year-old Kyle did not see coming. As, a, as an 11-year-old, seeing at the end when Gerard Butler gets his ear cut off, I'm like, oh my God, he's the one-eared knight. And then as an adult, as soon as he points at the tomb and he's like, isn't this beautiful? You're like, that guy's obviously the one-eared knight. I don't know how, but it's going to work out that way. Were there any other moments like that for you where you were just like, oh, you talked about the billboard moments working to feed you baby birds. What are the other ones that stuck out to you? Um, when he drops Claire off with the French army and was like, Hey, you need, you need to take care of her like a lot. Like, don't let her out of your sight. I was like, well, she's still going to get kidnapped immediately. Um, also when, uh, they're going to talk to Lord Oliver or whatever, they get captured by the Knights or whatever they get taken to him. You can clearly tell that dude's a bad guy. He's like, beating up all of his men in the middle of the room for fun. Uh, don't do anything. He says, don't trust anything. He says, and they're like, yeah, oh yeah, we're looking for the, the something to John's uh, yeah. Ed Edward to John's. Uh, uh, it's like, Oh, the magister. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 We have him. Like he's, he's doing great. Uh, and it's like, Oh yeah. He definitely imprisoned him for sure. Like the moment he was like, Oh yeah, we love that guy. It's like, Oh yeah. That guy. Uh, he's in prison. You should have seen that one coming. Don't trust him. Um, definitely don't say I'm a spy. Yeah, the moment he says it in French, and and like Gerard Butler sees it coming too. He's like, don't don't do it, don't yeah. say that. Yeah. I Gerard Butler seeing this as an adult, Gerard Butler knew like like a, a lot more about what to do and how to do it in 14th century France than everybody else. When like considering their all their jobs were to be like experts in 14th century France, like. Gerard Butler was definitely like the leader of the group. And like, he definitely was the only one who had a clue. And then like in that same scene, Paul Walker like freaks out and he's like going to go attack the guy who just killed Francois and Gerard Butler like hits him in the back and like covers him up. He's like, it's fine. I got this. I got this. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, man, like you don't have to be Leonidas, but like, I'll follow you anywhere. Like you, you're going to be cool no matter what. There, there are a couple more of those moments that I imagined seeing as a child that I was like, Oh man, what a really cool plot twist. Like they find the help me on the scroll in the yeah. tunnel with his glasses. And you're like, oh wow, that's awesome. And then later when they are back in time and they find the glasses in, in the tunnel and Paul Walker is going to take them. And she's like, no, 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 you have to leave those here. Cause we'll never find them in the future. And it's like, all right, we're getting into some time paradox stuff here. Like I like yeah. what we're doing. And yeah. then I had the thought of like, when they go, when the French soldiers go into that tunnel, they flip over the table, and that's what knocks the glasses over, and that's how they find the lens. And it's like, yeah. from 1347 in that monastery, are you telling me nobody swept that floor ever again? <laughs> no one was like, hey, look, a piece of glass that I've never seen before. Should I pick it up? And they're like, no, it's a sacred relic. It must stay in this spot forever till we all die and get buried underground. It's like, what? Yeah. Somebody definitely picked that up. In the final battle scene. Uh, and Paul Walker kind of does nothing in this movie. Uh, for the majority of the movie, he kind of does nothing. Which I, in, in 11-year-old Kyle was like, Paul Walker is the man. Adult Kyle's like, I don't think Paul Walker does anything. 
in this movie for the most part Gerard yeah. Butler does way more than him in terms of like action stuff and figuring plot stuff out and Kate the girl does way more in terms of like actually saving his father he's kind of just there honestly uh Gerard Butler looks like and sounds like Billy Connolly and then they picked Paul Walker to be his son and I'm like why it's a great point yeah. Uh, why not the guy who clearly was cast to be your son? Paul Walker's character like doesn't make a lot of sense. Honestly, the story, the character arc would have been cooler if Gerard Butler also kind of liked Kate. Then Kate was like, "I'll never pick you over archaeology." Then he yeah. goes back and fa- and falls in love with Claire, and then like that's where they have their emotional arc. Kate decides, yes, I'm going to let you go and be part of history because I'm choosing history over you. And then they split and Kate goes with the dad. Like, honestly, all of Paul Walker's character could be played by Gerard Butler. That's a good point. That's a very good point. The only reason that he's there is because he splits off, like Gerard Butler splits off and Kate apparently can't be the independent woman who goes and like saves herself. She has to have Paul Walker like run her around everywhere. That's but he really doesn't do point. anything. And, I, and that's that's my thing. I really think his character is only in this movie because Fast and Furious had already come out. And I think Gerard Butler's biggest thing up to this point was like maybe Reign of Fire. I don't, I can't back that up. I didn't do any research on that. But I think that's a good point. I think this was probably supposed to be Gerard Butler's movie until Fast and Furious came out. And they were like, yeah, let's just put that guy in it. Let's, you know, some thank you for smoking-isms in there as to why we needed Gerard Butler. And, and there we go. Um but I think the, the pinnacle of this, of Paul Walker not being of much use, was in the final battle, in the final fight scene. Uh, Michael Sheen is about to take the, the sword and kill the French guy. And Paul Walker, instead of running up to Michael Sheen and stabbing him or like tackling him or like doing something cool, he, he slide kicks him. Like in, a, like in a soccer game, he comes up and just... Like slide, what is that called? A tackle in soccer? What I don't know what it's called. Slide kick is the correct term, right? Yes, absolutely. You, you nailed it. Yeah, it has been since I saw this movie in theaters that I played soccer at recess. So I, I'm not sure I used the correct terminology there. Uh, but like that was like his big hero moment, and it was so lame. <laughs> There's a lot of like cool guys don't flinch at explosions in this. Like when Lord Oliver's on the ramparts and a trebuchet exploding fireball hit, hits like four feet away from him. He doesn't even look at it. He's just like, yeah. whatever. I hate the French. And you're like, dude, that's not even cool. That's just unsafe. Uh, <laughs> your, your men would be lost if you died right now. So like grow up. Um, then like as the scene when Gerard Butler is floating down the river thing with the French girl that he saved, <laughs> my wife looked at me and goes, that's Lady Kate. I was like, how could, like, why would you say this? It's obviously Lady Kate. He's going to be the one-eared knight. That's going to be Lady Kate. They're going to be buried together. I was like, you've taken all the fun out of watching this movie. Because <laughs> 11-year-old Kyle, when they got out of that river, and they're like, Lady Kate. I'm so good. And he's like, yeah, Lady Claire. You're Lady. Oh, I'm sorry, Lady Claire. He's like, yeah. you're Lady Claire. I'm like, oh, my God, we talked about that in the first scene of this movie that she died on, and that's what got the French to rally around her, which is one of the seven things, one of the, one of the seven big moments in this movie that when I was 11, I, my mind was blown. I was like, I can't believe somebody wrote this story. 
And as an adult, I was like, man, they're really laying this on thick here. This is obviously what's going to happen. So, yeah. And like back to the time paradox thing that I was talking about earlier, like we can't move this one piece of glass. Otherwise, none of this will ever happen. But also she's supposed to die. Yeah. And they're just like, now we're going to change that part. No, it won't be a big deal. And it's like, wait, what? Because are you you sure you forget Gerard Butler's motto? We make our own history, which he's, he says only one time in this movie. It's at that point when he decides to change history. There you but go. Paul Walker, that's not his motto. So he can't actually move anything or change anything. It's not his motto. But uh, Gerard Butler, on the other hand, that's his thing. That's, that's his thing. Um, also, then, I, I had, I, this is a tangent, and I'm sorry, but you're talking about mottos and stuff. There, there's a thing that everybody keeps talking about anytime they talk about the science where they talk about faxing and like, yeah. and that's how we're going to explain to a 2003 audience, how we're moving things through a temporal warp. It's like when you put a piece of paper in a telephone, like a fax, you dumb idiot. And that's like <laughs> the only way anybody knows how to explain it. Like when Decker is uh, talking about how he can't go back. Cause he's been, he's gone back too many times and he knows yeah. he can't go back. And he says to the other side, like the other people who are archaeologists and have also been time traveling. He was like, it's like when you fax a fax. And it's like, wait, what? Is this your only understanding of how, why you didn't go back to your home and your family and your life? It's because you're worried about faxing a fax. Yeah. And then at the <laughs> end, the people come back on an 81% functioning coil and they're fine. So apparently that we know of, we yeah. assume. Oh man, can't wait for the ramifications they find out in 10 I years. Say, I think there's a reason there's no sequel to this movie because I don't think it ends well for any of them, but I could be wrong. Um, speaking of sequel, things left open to sequel. In 11-year-old Kyle's head, this movie wraps up perfectly. You know, all of the things that were kind of foreshadowed end up happening. And the guy who, the bad guy who is, works at the big, mega billionaire company deal he gets his he gets transported back to the 14th century and gets killed immediately um and then i guess probably changes like the fashion sense for the french forever because uh, he's wearing his cargo shorts and and button down um, and glasses he still had glasses that they were like shouldn't be exist for 400 more years which is an important plot point earlier in this movie um but as an adult i realized that <clears throat> The, the guy who's like on the side of the archaeologist who like wants them to come home, wants to find a way to fix the cause, bring him home. He just gets thrown by Professor Lupin or whatever his name is. And is the back of his head hits like a metal pole. And the last we see of him, he's just like touching his head and he just kind of like lays down. And adult Kyle has to wonder, did, did he just kill that guy by pushing him into a metal pole? Because we yeah, never so- see him again. Oh yeah, that's totally the implication. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like he he definitely just had a concussion and that's it. But the movie wanted you to think he's dead. He's dead you now. You don't you don't see from him again, you don't hear from him again. He he's just gone. The physicist goes Lupin, like he's like where's where's Bill or whatever his name is. He's like where's Bill? And Lupin just looks at him. He's like where's Bill? And it's like oh god like He's dead. Like that's what they want you to think. <laughs> but, like, but they left it open in head really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just like eleven year old Kyle was like, "Yeah, that guy's probably gone." 
And then, like, adult Kyle's like, I mean, he hit, yeah, he hit his head pretty hard, but like, I mean, there, we can come back from this. Like, there, we, we can do it. And uh, I just can't believe that didn't come up. Um, and then I still, I still can't get over Francois having to go and having to die for no reason. And then he's the only one who kind of like doesn't get any like resolve other than Gerard Butler and Lady Claire named their kid after him. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's a sweet okay. nod. Yeah. Thanks like, for the dying. Still dead. And he didn't want to go when y'all nah. made him go. And then he didn't even Sad, do the thing. He was there to scared do and blind. And didn't, blind. That's the, he couldn't, couldn't see even the see it coming. coming. <laughs> Ugh, that's so tough. And a movie when, and a, when a movie that is, written and directed for the audience to see exactly what's coming before it happens. Francois could not see that sword coming at him. And that's tough. Um, I think, so I told you 11 year old Kyle sat in the movie theater with tears in his eyes being like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I didn't know that you could do that in movies. I didn't know that you could, you could have that much foreshadowing and bring it on back and plot twists and stuff. And adult Kyle I think feels the exact same way. Oh God. That movie's incredible. I was so glad we watched this movie because I had the time of my life. And I think it's one of those things where you just remember how you felt during this, seeing this for the first time. But I had a lot of nostalgia watching this movie and I will not apologize for that. This is a great movie. I very much enjoyed it. What was your take on this? Uh, it, it's fine. Uh, it's kind of fun. I, I like Gerard Butler's no. character. Uh, but I mean, it's not good. Paul Walker's terrible in this movie. Uh, he is I'm terrible. Gonna, That's I'm going to say it. Paul Walker, rest in power. He's never been a good actor. It's not like good in a lot of things. No, he's terrible in everything. Um, his line delivery is is like amazingly bad. It's like, are you doing this on purpose? Um, and like, I'm not trying to talk a lot of crap here because I would be a horrible actor. Like I know this about myself. Uh, I can barely keep together on this show, much less like in front of a movie camera in front of a whole, you know, production crew. That's not going to work. Uh, yeah. But o- overall I was like, all right, there's a lot of like plot holes. There's a lot of really uh, just like hand holding from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Um, but there, there are a couple of cool ideas. And you got to remember when this came out in the early 2000s, I'm sure it was like revolutionary. Like it wasn't the Matrix, but it was pretty close uh, of like, oh, we're going to bend reality and like you're going to be OK with it. I will say I would I would be more excited about the sequel. Uh, <laughs> here's here's the sequel I see playing out. They come back on an 81 percent coil and they think it's fine. Then they find out like in 10 years they have some like crazy disease like i don't know their cells are exploding from being in the 13th century or i don't know and they can't like the physicist and the doctor you thought was dead turns out he's back they are running itc for like the good of humanity and uh are very public with their like we can travel through time technology now uh their friends the archaeologists come back and are like hey we're dying can you help us they send them into the future to like where Ooh. where the uh, medicine is better to heal them. And then it turns out the future is like destroyed and it's like an apocalyptic wasteland because ITC like ruined it. And nice. now they have to figure out how to survive and get back. 
And then the third movie is them shutting down ITC and having to ultimately fight their physicist friend and the is other this Terminator. Are you, is this the timeline of Terminator? I don't know. Nobody knows the timeline of Terminator. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, I'm excited for the sequel that I can't wait for them to come out in 2023. Give me a 20-year a uh, reunion tour timeline. Uh, I would be all over it. I really would. I really enjoyed this movie. Abed's scale of movies. Where does this rank for you? Is it a good movie? Is it, is it a bad, good movie? Or is it a good, bad movie? Or is it just a bad movie? I'd say it's a good, bad movie. Like, it, it's fun, but it's not, it's not a good movie. But it is fun. <laughs> Come on. I, I think that, like, uh, I think, like, pretty much any movie I'd classify as, like, a good, bad movie has to have Nick Cage in it or Tom <laughs> Cruise. And if it doesn't have Nick Cage or Tom Cruise in it, then, like, it's probably just bad or it's, like, on the, on the wrong side of being good. The, the downside, the lower end. Uh, I enjoyed this movie as an 11 year old. It changed my life. As an adult, I still love this movie. And I, I would like to thank Tiffany for, uh, for putting it in our ear that we should watch Timeline. I, 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 I would like to go back. My timeline would be to go back and watch you watch this movie when you're 11 years old. I'd like to experience that joy, uh, that just unfiltered love of, of, of bad movies. Well, you, <laughs> how dare you take it back? Um, I think if you think back, I don't know when it was that you saw The Usual Suspects or you know Memento or Fight Club or a movie that had a bunch of twists that were kind of mind-bending. Um, that were all but, better than this movie. Sure, all better than this movie. <laughs> but I saw all those movies after I saw this movie. So, you know, I, I don't know if this just holds a special place in my heart because this was the first time i saw something that was written quite like that that had you know maybe this is where i learned to see foreshadowing plastered all over the screen (laughs) quite like it is in this movie and be able to be like hey this hey remember that this is going to be important later um i don't know if i got that from this movie or i don't know if i was if i'm just desensitized to seeing that stuff now because i've I've watched a lot of christopher nolan movies and stuff but uh I, i can tell you at the time this was the first movie. This is the first time I've ever seen anything like this movie. And uh, man, it holds up, even with Paul Walker. <laughs> Talking about the foreshadowing again, it just reminded me that like one of the only things they don't foreshadow is that Kate is a good climber. Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> uh, they do <laughs> everything Conveniently else. comes up when they need someone to climb on the roof. They, they show Gerard Butler, you know, like working on the bow and arrow stuff, you know, they they show uh, they even talk with Billy Connolly about how he's about to shave his beard. Like they set everything up perfectly, and then there's just one line where Kate goes, "I'm the best climber," and everyone's like, "You're right." And actually, the Marine is the only person who's like, "Listen, I don't know if that's true or not, but you're the lightest person here, yeah. so you have the best yeah. chance." Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, and they definitely could have shown that she was like climbing out of a cave. They could have made yeah. like a three second thing where she climbed. That's a good out. point. Yeah. Where like her rope breaks and she's got to, you know, freehand it up. That's cool. I think this, I, if I remember correctly, this was actually a book before it was a movie. So um, I don't know if they just kind of pick and chose stuff they wanted to keep from the book or they realized 
no one's going to sit through a two and a half hour Paul Walker led movie, but a two hour Paul Walker led movie, we can probably get people into the theaters for. But yeah, there are some stuff that watching as adult, I'm like, I kind of wish y'all had unpacked that a little more or maybe not just told that. Maybe you didn't have to tell me. Maybe you could have shown me. Um, but yeah, maybe one of the greatest movies of all time. I don't know. I got to go back and watch Rain of Fire now and see how it holds up. Oh, love um, Rain of Fire. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, and then if you, the listener, uh, have not seen Timeline, I don't know why you listen to this podcast, but you know, I'm thankful that you did. Uh, Drew, any final thoughts about Timeline? Greatest movie of all time? Yes, no? No, stop trying to trick me into saying this. Okay, all right, great. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for uh, joining us on this episode of Not the Podcast You Deserve. We will see you guys next week as we do an episode of Now Streaming and we do Not the Podcast You Deserve's official ranking of the MCU movies before Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. Thanks for listening. This is Not the Podcast You Deserve.